This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone service. As chosen by U.S. News and World Report, Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 stay connected with customers and coworkers using an easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com forward slash 12-Pack, nextiva.com forward slash 12 pack and we'll have that link in the show notes to get started for 12 pack radio get excited y'all Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta Rank College football statistical model, and your home for the best Pac-12 gambling advice that you will get from William Hills. Max Meyer, this is Brian Conger. We are recording live, live from the next Steve Studios, clothing optional, and oh my goodness, we had a heck of a week. It wasn't a full week of Pac-12 football, but it was an entertaining and excellent week of Pac-12 football, and I am joined, as always, by the president of the Beta Rank College football statistical model, Mr. Rob Barron. What's going on, Rob? I, uh, I, I'm excited to be here. Beta rank had a little bit of a bounce back week when 60% against the spread this weekend. So that was a plus. And, uh, yeah, we got to watch impact 12. I'm, I'm ready. We, there was pack 12 after dark and it, it got real, real weird, real fast. And that was very exciting. And, um, of course we opened up with just a heck of a game with USC and ASU. We're going to break down all of the action in addition to preview the action that's coming up in week two or week 12, depending on what conference you're following. And I'm joined as always by William Hills, Max Meyer, uh, who works at the largest sports book in the world. What's going on, Max? Hello, guys. And uh, as much of a gift as Clay as getting the fade Clay Helton as a double-digit favorite was uh, this past weekend, we get it again this weekend. Very, very exciting. I have lots of tasty lines out there. And um, and gentlemen, hold on one one moment. I just got I gotta I gotta bring this up. Hold on here. Um, one of us went three and one against the spread on this podcast, and I'm just gonna celebrate that for a bit. It felt good. It felt good to be back to have those picks. Rob, you went two and two against the spread. Max two and two against the spread. West Coast College football two and two against the spread. We're going to be keeping his picks here. Let's see if I can uh, uh, extend my lead here as we move into week two. And let's let's start off with just general, ge- just general thoughts here uh, on on the week. It was really entertaining. We can go so many directions. Let's start with you, Max. What jumped out for you as we watched this week's action? I can't believe USC just like some of the decisions that they made and just like how poorly they, they looked at, at times. Like it, it was kind of mind boggling, but I guess we should be used to it at this point. Um, I actually, I thought Oregon's offensive line was much better than I thought they would be. I was actually pretty impressed with Oregon overall. Like they kind of uh, took their foot off the gas at the end of the game and they were definitely helped with uh, a lot of missed field goals from Stanford. But I actually thought Oregon's offense looked good. Um, and really impressed with Washington State's uh, freshman quarterback, uh, Jaden DeLorean. Like, he was dropping some dimes. He was running. The, he was uh, scrambling. Uh, Washington State with a rushing offense was, was interesting to see. 
Um, and also there are going to be some really, really bad teams in the Pac-12 this year, like incredibly bad. <laughs> that Colorado UCLA game was certainly something to watch. It was all I wanted and more out of a Pac-12 game featuring probably two teams that will not be on the list of excellent teams that we'll cover this year. Although you never know, you never know they could jump back and it was a good win for Colorado. Very excited. And we'll cover all this every game in detail. We're just kind of giving general thoughts here. Rob, what stood out for you? Uh, I mean, really like how, how, Sneaky good Oregon. I mean, they won by 21, and yeah, there are some missed field goals that might have tightened that up. But they also were minus two on turnovers against in that game against Stanford, um, and didn't. I mean, they looked good, but they didn't look you know as sharp as you'll expect them to be once Chuck gets his his both reads in the running game and the passing game you know fully down. I I thought you know Oregon really put down a marker um, early. I, I love watching the these middling teams because I just I find them fascinating. I think they're fun to, to bet on. So, like Max, you mentioned the the Washington State Oregon State game at the end of the night. I thought was fascinating. I really one of the things that we talked about with Oregon State coming into the year was whether or not that nose tackle position, the, the big bodies up in the middle of the line, if the, if they were going to be able to fill any of those. And the answer is no. <laughs> you just saw Washington State run all over Oregon State, and and I'm not certain Washington's I'm not sold as Washington State being a contender in the north or even winning more than one more game in the north so um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Oregon State bounce, bounces back uh, again that UCLA Colorado game I thought was fascinating uh, neither team was playing defense by the end of the game uh, or in the middle of the game to be frank uh, but you know to, to see Sam Neuer or, uh, I think they had Lytle out there for a little bit you know throwing some balls around and they have a new, new running back that really took a lot of uh, reps there was really interesting and I think one of the, the bummers, and hopefully we'll see all these games played, it was just announced that UCLA um, and Utah, I believe, was moved from Friday to Saturday. So hopefully we get that game. I Guys, I was so excited to talk about Washington and Cal and the fact that that game isn't going to happen. And maybe they'll make it up when they have that like weird you know, head-to-head seventh week in the Pac-12. But man, like those are two teams where I just kind of wanted to see what happened and didn't get the opportunity to do that. Although we did see a similar type of game with USC and, and ASU, which proved to be an awesome game. I think one, one more thing to mention on my end is the fact that we had some games that were in prime time. I thought it was great to have that noon game. I know people were kind of complaining about the 9 o'clock, uh, but Rob, 9 o'clock that's noon for almost everybody else in the United States, and, uh, and the fact that they got to see a really entertaining game against USC and ASU, I think it's great for the conference. Yeah, I mean, Fox has really made a lot of hay out of that, you know, their big noon Saturday, you know, time slot that they've got. I mean, it's the, the networks have sort of carved it out, you know, at least for now until ESPN picks up the SEC, where the SEC has really dominated that 3.30 time slot with their game of the week on CBS most of the time. Um, you know, and ESPN has, has usually had their big game on either, eight, you know, uh, ABC or ESPN late. And the Pac-12 sometimes gets that game. Um, but Fox has carved out a spot really at noon with, uh, you know, where they're, they're not, you know, having to compete against, you know, some of the really big games that the other networks have picked up and it's worked out well for them. And it is, it is hard. I mean, I know, you know, having a nine o'clock game is, is a bummer, but, uh, you know, out on the West coast, but if you want to uh, get in front of the most households and really talk about exposure, it is, it is hard to sort of seed, um, you know, what has become one of the most popular time, you know, the most it really is the most popular time slot on one of the big networks and just seed it to everyone else. So um, I thought it was, I thought it was good for the conference. The fact that the game ended up being uh, fairly close, not always very good football, but close. <laughs> and then, you know, really exciting at the end, um, you know, I think was also good for the conference. All right, let's get into the, uh, the PAC 12 previews 
and review every game that happened. Let's do it right after this. Hey, um, can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? You want it? Pac-12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby, just bust a move. Okay. All right, we're back. And lots of games to talk about. Here, here's if, if this is your first time listening to our review and preview podcast, this is the way it happens is we go through each game. I'll kind of announce the game that's coming up that we want to talk about. And then we'll, in that process, we're going to review any games that those two head-to-head teams had the previous week. And then we'll apply it to the game that is coming up this week. So we're going to start uh, Saturday at 4 p.m. on Fox, just straight up Fox. I love this, guys. Just National Fox, everybody's household Fox. Oregon is a seven and a half point favorite over Washington State. Let's start with Oregon's game against Stanford. They won that game 35 to 14. And Rob, we talked a little bit about this game uh, and how it was, it was interesting. I actually had a little bit of a different take from you. I, I mean, obviously, it's a new offensive line, and I get that. It's going to take that unit a little while. And Chris Ball has been recruiting to, uh, to his system. I, I thought that um, uh, on both sides of the ball, I was, I was just fascinated with those matchups on the line. I thought that um, Oregon had some issues in the beginning, just trying to, trying to get stuff together, and, and they did. They did over the, the course of the game and really put the clamps on um, at, in the end. But I, I flipping on the, the other side of the ball, I thought or I thought Stanford's offensive line was actually kind of impressive, given the fact that we already know that front seven of Oregon is is really, really freaking good. And the fact that, that Stanford almost had 200 yards on the ground, uh, they were able to do some stuff and really get an offense going. I, I thought the secondary stepped up and just freaking... <laughs> I mean, Simi Fajoko had a couple a couple beautiful catches, and he's going to be real good again this year, Stanford fans. Um, but I don't know. I, I thought there were some interesting things that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of put in the back of my mind as we're watching both of those teams move forward. I thought it was a fascinating matchup. What did you think? I mean, I, I think you know, and I texted this. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to see Stanford uh, do it again, right? I mean, there may be some you know early bumps with the Oregon defense, you know that. You know, Stanford took a little bit of advantage of in the first game, but the last two years they have really struggled to run the football well. Um, so early returns look good. Small sample, <laughs> you know. I'd like I'd like to see more. I mean, certainly I think if you're Stanford, you know, like you're 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 reasonably happy with the you know the the job that West and McKee did, but you certainly would have felt better about the you know you know maybe this game being able to keep it close with um, you know Davis Mills in there. Uh, I thought Oregon, however, I mean, I, there certainly were some hiccups. I mean, I, you know, offensively, um, and I thought they did. I mean, Oregon ran the ball for 269 yards. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, they really, they really ran it. <laughs> I mean, it, and Tyler Shuck himself was, uh, you know, a real weapon running the football, whether on designed runs or, you know, um, you know, slipping out when, uh, you know, when he, you know, he didn't find anybody open. Uh, uh, but I think that that I mean, with Moorhead's offense, I, I like uh, this Oregon team to continue to improve. I mean, they, you know, Stanford, you know, yeah, they make some field goals. You know, it's it's you know, two, it's two touchdowns instead of one. You know, I or you know instead of three. I I still think though that Oregon with those two turnovers um, that they had, I mean, you're like Oregon could have poured this on more. Um, this is this, this, it does like, I thought there are definitely things and you're right. Like there are things that you could take out of Stanford's performance that would make you feel pretty good, you know, compared to, um, how things have maybe been going for Stanford, <laughs> you know, like particularly yeah. last year. 
but this, you know, like I, I still think like, I think Oregon's defense is also going to tighten up and be better as well. Right. You know, and I, I, I think that, you know, I, I would take this, if you're an Oregon fan, I would take this performance all day. And I, I, I think, you know, not having seen Washington and what they're going to be like, I mean, and, and the other part too, I mean, with those Stanford runs, I mean, they have one huge, huge run in there. Um, you know, where you know, the, that Nathaniel Pete run where Oregon really just lost, I mean, really lost, uh, you know, contained and, and they Stanford busted one out. If you take that out, Stanford's, you know, rushing total is a lot closer to 120, 130 in the game. And I'm not saying like you can't just, you know, those yards actually happened. But Oregon also may not be giving up huge runs later on in the season very much. So like they're like like you said, like there's some encouraging things. I saw some of the same things you did where I was like, wow, Stanford's actually getting some push uh on the line. I wasn't expecting that. Um, I think with if you're a Stanford fan, you get Mills back and you know, you're maybe talking about a different ball game. I would, however, like, I mean, you're, they're not going to face a lot of other offenses in the Pac-12 this year, like Oregon, uh, and they get Colorado in their crossover game. Um, so, you know, this may be the best offense that they end up having to face, but, you know, the, the problems on the Stanford defense are, are very much still there. Yeah, I, I, I think, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think at the beginning of that game, that offensive line on Oregon, I was like, ooh, I don't know, we'll see. And then they, and then they, I, I think they definitely shorted up, but it was more on the flip side. I, I was impressed yeah. with the Stanford offensive line going up against one of the best defensive lines in the conference and, and holding their own to, to more, as much as they, as I expected, like more than I expected them to. I would put it that way, right? Everything's about expectations. So I thought that they had a, a showing that could, you know, proved to be interesting and um, and encouraging if you're a fan in Palo Alto. And the other thing that I'll bring up, and Max, I want to hear what you think is was Tyler Shuck. Man, he threw some he threw some bombs, and those wide receivers, holy goodness, um, just got up and, and took them. There were some really wonderful pass catches. I know um, Micah Pittman had one of them. Um, yeah, Johnny Johnson went up and got one. There was another really amazing play too from that wide receiving core, and I thought that was kind of. And I think any Oregon fan would have said that that was um, an area that they've improved through recruiting, and and really didn't have as strong of a unit in, in previous years. So it's kind of really encouraging to see them go. Uh, but what were your major takeaways? What did you think about the game uh, against Stanford here, Max? Yeah, no, I mean, I was Oregon's wide receivers like. They kind they balled out. They made some great catches, like you were saying, like Micah Pittman. I think that was his only catch, but it was an amazing uh, one-handed grab. Uh, Johnson had a good grab. Uh, Jalen, well, this was also a great uh, shuck throw into traffic, but Jalen Red also converted. On, I think that was on like a long third down. So I, I like Oregon skill position guys and, and Verdell, and I mean Travis Dye had a good game as well. Um, I, I, and I, I feel like once Moorhead really gets in the groove, like I think Oregon's offense is good, uh, really good. And with Stanford, I mean, like West had one of the worst games I've ever seen last year when he filled in for Davis. No, I, I still think Bills is a big upgrade. Um, and, and Stanford, they were missing one of their uh, top wide receivers as well. I think, um, I feel like that we were pretty high, or at least I was pretty high on Stanford, uh, heading into the season compared to the betting market and this game as good as Oregon looked, especially with the uh, negative turnover differential, I feel I'm still optimistic on Stanford. Shout out to our friends. Um, 
I, I so I, I I did the the worst possible thing, Max, and you'll probably throw something at your window. So I teased uh, the under because I got it really late with uh, with Oregon. So I got Oregon minus two, and the under was like fifty six. I think or I think I got it fifty eight. Um, so the, those field goals, if if you had the regular under, um, you know, Jet Toner was kind of a, a godsend on that front. But uh, they ended up covering anyway. I actually doubled down and just took Oregon minus eleven when I realized that Jack West was going to be the quarterback. So um, I thought that that was a game that we covered. Uh, pretty extensively in the previous week so uh, really interesting to see let's let's move over to um to the other side of Oregon where Oregon State took on Washington State and I thought Jaden Delore like you mentioned Max he was pretty interesting to watch yeah um I mean Washington State was missing so many uh players on their team but Delore looked good uh Matt I mean once Borgie comes back he's gonna take over uh, the bulk of the running responsibilities but Washington State's uh uh, rushing offense look good. Um, Oregon State, like I, I know, we were. We I think a lot. I think all of us were really down on the Beavers. And I mean, granted, like it, it ended up being a, a ten point game, but Oregon State just like looked. Their offense just looked like, like a shell of themselves early on, and they needed they needed uh, a, some. Uh, I don't know, like they improved like a little bit uh, in the, uh, later on in the game. But yeah, I'm just I'm really not sold on, on the Beavers offense at all. Yeah, Macintosh. Oh, yeah, it's, it's too bad though. Just they have a really good coaching staff, but it, uh, I think Rob was saying this um, maybe like, maybe like a couple months ago. But as good of a coaching staff as this is, like last year's personnel, which with Luton, who started an NFL game uh, this uh, today, um, Isaiah Hodgins, who, who was one of the best wideouts in the conference. These are players that like this Oregon State coaching staff like had to develop like in a, in a couple years, and so that roster turnover it's just going to be a so it's going to be such a difficult job for as good of a coach as Jonathan, Jonathan Smith is. It's still going to be an uphill climb. Yeah, especially on the defensive side too. I mean, like that front seven is interesting, but the secondary is kind of a mess. And the front seven allowed like Macintosh to gash them like a bunch. And that was one thing that we did talk with Hithliday again, Rob, was like whether or not that line was able to kind of put the pieces together. But on the same, like I think our disagreement with Hithliday was like, I thought Luton was amazing last year, particularly. He was. He took it huge. He was amazing. Like, and, and playing in Corvallis and just being able to put up those numbers uh, was really interesting. Now, with that said, like like Tristan Jebbia wasn't a mess. You know, 329, one touchdown, no interceptions, yeah, about like a little bit better than like 55% completion rate, which isn't exactly what you want. Um, Jamar Jefferson had a heck of a game, 120 yards, three touchdowns. on. Uh, but this, I thought this the final score of this game was not indicative of the game. I watched this game. It was not that close. Yeah. Oregon state really struggled with uh, drive efficiency, right? Like, I mean, it's a consistency problem in a lot of ways. Like they were good in spurts. They, however, couldn't keep it going and turn those drives into points. Um, And and Jebby was, you know, he, his numbers look fine. I mean, but like what really hurt them is that completion percentage, just because, you know, you pile up two of those incompletions in a row, you're punting, right? Because, um, you know, they did run the ball often enough. I mean, 31 rushes on the game. I mean, you got a few QB runs in there. But, you know, I think one of the things, the big takeaways here is that we talked about, you know, and I really like Jim Mahalchuk, their offensive line coach. He's got a lot of Pac-12 experience. Um, they lost a lot off of that offensive line. It was, I mean, everybody's focused on, I mean, and rightly so, you know, Luton, um, you know, Hodgins, you know, like some of the really good players they they lost you know, they they replaced a lot on the offensive line too. So this offense, I just think it, there's, we, it, 
I also say like we talked about this, right? Like we talked about Oregon State may not be early in the season who they are late, right? Um, I expect them to put it together, be a little more consistent uh, as the season goes on. But um, yeah, I mean, pretty rough. Uh, I mean, particularly for their offense, pretty rough outing. I would also say, and we talked, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the preview, not maybe as much as we should have. Going from where they were on defense, which was at one point like 129 out of 130, getting to where they are now, if you, if you can tie your shoes and you're a good, you know, you're a power five coach, like you should be able to make that happen. <laughs> I'm not like, I, I don't want to take away from like, it's still a heck of a job that Tibisar has done getting them to merely be a very bad power five, de- you know, like a bad power five defense instead of one of the worst defenses in all of college football, you know, full stop. That said, like the incremental gains get harder, right? Like suddenly becoming like a middling power five defense, even with what they return like that's a harder step to do. Um, you know, like there's, there's, you know, there's more recruiting and more player development. It gets harder uh, to, to continue to make improvements as you climb up the, the, you know, the margin, you know, the, the marginal cost to improvements increases. So I was not impressed. I mean, like we had talked, I mean, we expected, I think we all expected a lot more rust from Washington state. I mean, it certainly helps to get to play, to get Oregon state in your first outing right uh you know at least as far as you know what their defense likely was going to be they, they couldn't cover last year um you know and then the uh you know their you know their offense losing so much but i was i was somewhat i mean i would say i was i was cautiously optimistic after this game that washington state might be sort of serviceable throughout the year right like that they'll have enough talent you know, to, to maybe be, you know, to maybe put together something, you know, somewhat interesting in the North, which, you know, shouldn't be overwhelming. I mean, like, I think you watch this Washington state team and you, I like, I definitely thought like, ah, well, you know, like they're probably not going to get the doors blown off by Stanford or anything like that. Right. Like they're not, they're not going to be the worst. I mean, clearly now that they beat Oregon state, they're not going to be the worst team in the North. Yeah. I, I have to adjust expectations. I mean, they won this game with a freshman quarterback, a new offensive system, yeah. Out Max Borgi, out thirty-two players in a defense that was trash last year, <laughs> and they won. Right. Like, I mean, it was that, that's if if you're a Washington State fan, shout out to our friend Ryan, who's been like a big friend of the podcast. Um, like, take take this now. I don't take this as a game against Oregon State. This next game, Max. Actually, let's go with you, Rob, because I want to hear the numbers first. This next game is going to be a whole another ball game. Seven and a half point dogs um, against Oregon. And, uh, and, and man, it'll be interesting to see how they match up. What do the numbers say here? I know it's early, right? So this is all like caveat, a lot of, a lot of preseason expectations baked into beta rank right now. So, uh, but what, what is the, what are the general numbers and we'll get into the matchups? Yeah. I mean, so the general numbers right now, Oregon comes in at number 10 overall, uh, Washington state's at 44, um, on the road, Oregon's got an 84% win probability and they're at a, really 11 and a half points uh, in beta rank. Uh, oddly enough, I went, I went two and two last week with, uh, in the Pac-12 beta rank went four and oh, which, you know, is not to say that like it, that will not hold, like, I mean, clearly that will not hold. That is a small sample size, uh, you know, there, but like I, I, uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be a very, I mean, this is going to be a very different ball. I'm surprised though. I, I mean, I have to admit, I was a little surprised that, you know, this wasn't double digits on the spread. Me too, Max. I thought this might be like, I mean, it's early in the year in the PAC 12. Obviously, you know, there were some reports that Oregon had some practice 
delays and hiccups before the Stanford game. Um, but I, I also, I thought this was going to be like 10 and a half to, to 13. What did you think? Uh, well, I mean, I, I saw that this line, at, at least when I first saw it, I saw it at least nine and I, I think I even saw maybe like some double digits. So I, the, the line has come down in favor of Washington state. And I don't know, it, it's interesting to me because like this, this does the seven and a half does seem a little short. Uh, but obviously this is how the market responded. I, I just feel like with Washington State, I, I think it's in, just with all the players that were out against Oregon State. Like, is this going to be an issue uh, against Oregon as well? I mean, with Oregon, I feel like they kind of let their foot off the gas, and and I think Oregon is clearly the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, and with Washington, it's still like I guess as good as uh, Delora looked. Like they're still learning uh, the kinks of, of Nick Rolovich's. Uh, run and shoot versus uh, Mike Leach's area. And, and I feel like that there could be some adjustments there. Um, and yeah, no, I, and I, I think Andy Avalos and that defense, like with, with some of the uh, big gains that Stanford was getting, like I think they're going to tighten it up a little bit. Uh, yes. I admit seven and a half feels a little low to me, but I don't think, I don't think it should, I don't think it should be more than 10. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, Rob, let's go offense versus defense here. Um, and I promise there's two games in this, you know, both teams played a game. So that's why we're spending some time on here. And we'll, we'll move a little quicker through some of the other uh, games because we won't have to break down uh, Oregon State because we already did. Um, Rob, go, go, freshman quarterback um, with an offensive line we don't think necessarily fits the system yet in Washington State versus Oregon's front seven <laughs> and Oregon's secondary. I like. I think Washington State's going to put up points, but what do the numbers say here? One, one, one shout out to also to Travell Harris. It says five nine wide receiver. They got seven receptions for hundred yards and two touchdowns. And um, if you've seen that run and shoot with Rick Nolovich before, like uh, or Rick, Nick Rolovich before, uh, it th- those types of wide receivers can be very devastating if you don't have a good secondary. But Oregon does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Oregon's comes in still with the number one defense in beta rank right now. The majority of that is still preseason you know, preseason weight. I mean, after one game, <laughs> so, uh, you know, Washington state comes in at number 27 on offense, you know, they, their numbers, if you go through, like, I don't, I don't weight the drive efficiency, like underlying numbers. Um, you know, they, they were, they were a little better at being explosive in that game against Oregon state. Um, they had a pretty decent play efficiency that, you know, they, they didn't have a lot of three and outs. They ran the ball pretty well, which is, you know, unusual, but you know, unusual for what we're, we're used to, but, I think you should be, I mean, if, if Borgie is back, like let's get excited for what he might be able to do, actually getting some touches running the ball, but they do get an Oregon, an Oregon defense that, um, you know, they were really good against Stanford and their drive efficiency, what they, you know, in, in keeping Stanford for putting up points. Some of that is Stanford missing those field goals, but those explosive drives, you know, numbers against Stanford, they, you know, that hurt them a bit, you know, their play efficiency and their negative drives. I mean, they didn't force enough three and outs against Stanford. I thought, I, I don't think that Avalos came in with this. He, he, he was able to get off the field quite, a, you know, get them off the field, but they need to force more three and outs. Um, I think coming into this. So I, I, I think Oregon's defense is going to be fine. I think they just, they didn't have the best game against the, against the Cardinal. Okay. Let's flip, uh, flip it on the head here. Um, Oregon's offense against Washington State's defense, which which held Oregon State to 14 points in three quarters, which is pretty freaking impressive. Yeah, uh, you know, so Washington State's defense comes in at 78. 
by far their best number, uh, you know, from the, is it 27 on play efficiency after that game against Oregon state, uh, you know, Oregon really what they were great at in that first game was explosive drives numbers. They come in number six right now and beta rank right there. Um, they're only at 32 overall, but again, like lots of preseason weight in here. We weren't expecting a lot from the ducks right off the bat because of all that they lost 18 and negative drives. Oregon also didn't go three and out very often in that first game. So, and, and number 16, an effective rush. I, I think this Oregon team, I mean, really, uh, if Tyler Shuck in, in this game in particular, like if they are, you know, as they continue to work out the kinks, they get another very bad defense and, uh, you know, here, uh, you know, a defense that I think will be even worse than Stanford's. Um, I, I think Dickert is a, is a good DC hire. I think that, you know, you saw some more fundamentally sound football from Washington State in that game, but this is going to be a totally different animal for them. And being able to contain Oregon's big plays, which Moorhead's offense really produces, is, is going to be a big challenge for Washington State. All right. Uh, Max, last words on this game, and who are you taking? Uh, you know, I, I agree with Ryan. I think it's just a different step up in class for Washington State, and I'm going to take the Ducks here, even though that line is interesting for sure. Yeah, I'm going to take them too. This could be one of those honey traps uh, that Vegas sets every once in a while, but um, I, I'm going to chalk it up to being an early game. Um, Oregon, you know, not necessarily stomping on Stanford and and Washington kind of uh, maybe an overreaction to Washington State. So I will also take Oregon. What about you, Rob? Yeah, give me the ducks here. Okay, let's go to the next game here. Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on ESPN2, Colorado goes into Palo Alto to face Stanford, and there is no line on this game yet, so we won't make a pick, but we will break it down here. Now, we saw Colorado play UCLA, Colorado 48, UCLA 42. We just talked about Stanford, so we don't have to cover them. Uh, Rob, or actually, let's go to you, Max. Max, I- I'm not sure if you saw this game, but this was everything I wanted from a Colorado-UCLA game. There's like six turn, like three fumbles. There's turnovers. Dorian Thompson-Robinson dropped the dropped the ball, you know, going back into to pass again. Like, all, just, it, it, was, it was wild. There was comebacks at the end. It, it was just a very enjoyable game. What'd you think about it? Uh, I, I, I feel like I said on the podcast, Carl Durrell revenge game. Um, <laughs> this game had like very serious UCLA Washington state vibes. So UCLA couldn't complete the comeback in this one, but yeah, I mean, Colorado, so fortunate with all those turnovers deep in UCLA territory. And, and then they just had simple drives. It was pretty funny though, watching a former safety tearing up UCLA's defense, but UCLA's defense is a disaster, but I both the both of these teams are awful, absolutely awful. And I mean, like with I feel like with Colorado, anytime I can get less than ten points against a, a decent team, like I'm going to be taking that decent team against Colorado. Dorian Thompson Robinson had an interesting night. I mean, if you just do stat counting, right, 300 yards through the air, four touchdowns, one pick. He also had uh, just a, a crazy burst, like probably like an 80-yard run for a touchdown. So on paper, 100, 109 yards and a touchdown. But he did not look good. Uh, he was 50% completion rate. He had an interception. He had two two turnovers, an interception and a fumble that they lost. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I, I've been reading, Rob, some of the articles about like the post game here. And I, I think if you're a Colorado fan, Oh, I'm sorry, if you're a UCLA fan, there's all these articles about like, should should DTR be running the ball? And like, yeah, but they played Colorado's defense. So, so let's let's calm down a little bit. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, like if you came in with the prior like from last year that like, hey, both of these defenses are terrible and neither of them can stop, you know, the pass like, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, like even with 
even with only giving up 50% completion rate, like Colorado gave up 303 yards in the air. Um, and, you know, Sam Neuer put up 257 <laughs> on 20 of 31, uh, you know, like against UCLA secondary. I mean, that's bad. And I, I think what's, what's harder for UCLA, and I didn't, you know, I have to go back and rewatch some of this and, and really like examine it. But, you know, the uh, Colorado put up 264 yards on the ground. Um, and I mean, really the strength of this UCLA defense last year, of course, we talked about was, you know, up the middle, uh, you know, in the a, controlling A and B gap runs. Odigazua did play, um, you know, so the, I think they were missing one of their other linemen. But yeah, I, I mean, UCLA, you can look at all the turnovers and like you have a clear argument that perhaps UCLA could have, should have won this football game, uh, you know, given given all of the gifts, the unbelievable gifts that they gave to Colorado. That said, I mean, if you were going to, like, my, my main takeaway of this is, like, Colo- like Colorado really, like, UCLA's bad. Colorado could be, one. I mean, four turnovers and you only win by six. <laughs> like, plus four on turnovers. Colorado, I mean, depending on what we see out of Arizona, I know Colorado's got this win under their belt. I mean, they're, they might, they, they, that, that's not a really like, that's not a good look for them. They had a lot of short field to convert into points. Um, you know, and I, again, like I, I I'm not taking like, I don't want to like, that doesn't turn around and say like, oh, UCLA is better than we think. Like they're definitely not. The one, the one interesting takeaway if you're a UCLA fan is eight tackles for a loss um, for the Colorado defense, which I thought was interesting. They, they were able to get DTR of the pocket, three hurries on that front two in a sack. So th- there was, you know, like that, that front seven was able to push, uh, a little bit back against uh, a weak UCLA, to be frank, uh, offensive line, but they were able to get some pressure there. Um, I know that people are really excited about the defense to start out holding UCLA to 14 points in the first half, but <laughs> man, that third quarter, that 21 points uh, that, that UCLA was able to drop and, and try to get back into that game was really, really interesting. Max, any other takeaways from from either of these teams? Um, I, I um, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting to see Colorado be able to really light it, light it up on the ground. And Sam Neuer even had about 65 yards on the ground on his own. In addition to the running backs there, um, uh, you know, I, 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 what Sam Neuer brings is remain, it remains to be seen with some of those other teams. When we were breaking this game down last week, I kind of said like the only way I think UCLA can really keep this close is if they were able to bottle up the run. They weren't able to do that and just had a really their secondary is bad. Um, so let's see Neuer go up against somebody else. But if you're a Colorado fan, this was one of those games where it's kind of a show me game and Carl Jarrell pulls out a win. A little bit questionable play calling throughout the, the day on both sides. But um, at the end of the day, um, you know, you're going to take what you can get. And uh, on the first week in a, in a year of our Lord 2020 where there's COVID everywhere. So take the win, Colorado. Be excited. But Max, uh, any other words on the matchup? Uh, I mean, I was impressed with Jarek Broussard, but I mean, I, I guess since it came against UCLA's defense, you can only take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, like I said before, these are just two awful teams. 187 yards and three touchdowns. So Broussard, the Broussard family, pat yourselves on the back. Hell of a game. Very excited to see that kind of stuff happen um, and, and really just burst on the scene. So so congratulations to you and um, and against what we thought was going to be the strength of the UCLA defense. So definitely take that to heart. Let's talk about this matchup here, Colorado against Stanford. And Rob, what, are the, what does Baderank have as the general numbers here? So Baderank's got Stanford coming in at 53, Colorado at 72. Um, Stanford uh, at home, 74% win probability, just at eight points, um, you know, an eight point favorite for the Cardinal. Um, it's the Stanford offense is at 38, Colorado's defense is at 65. 
Um, what Stanford did pretty well in that first game was avoid negative drive. So no, no three and outs, uh, number eight there. Their drive efficiency, of course, wasn't very good. Lots of yards, fewer points. You know, Colorado's defense, what they, you know, you could say if they were going to hang their hat is they did contain, you know, amongst their numbers, they were able to contain explosive drives a little bit better coming in. It's only, I mean, 60 there <laughs> uh, for the defense. Um, you know, that's, that's something to watch out for Their Their effective pass number was, was pretty decent. Um, you know, and, and effective passes on the defense is calculated at a marginal level, uh, within beta rank. So, um, you know, overall Thompson Robinson put up uh, a solid, you know, uh, lot, a lot of yards, but on a per pass basis, it wasn't great. And then on the other side of the ball, Colorado's offense comes in at 70 Stanford's defense at 62, um, Stanford's defense didn't do a lot great, but their drive efficiency is at 76. That's not great, but that's some of their other numbers are horrendous after playing Oregon. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Colorado is able to put up explosive drives because that's what they, that's what they really made their, their hay on is uh, against UCLA it was 34 and explosive drives right now in beta rank. Um, and they're, you know, they're like the un, and negative, these, like I said, these underlying numbers are still unweighted. Um, you know, that 15 and negative drives, that should just tell you like Colorado didn't have a lot of three and outs against that UCLA defense. It'll be interesting to see if that carries over here. Chiverini actually, I mean, when they needed to put up drives and put up points, they were able to, um, it'll be a bigger test for them. Um, you know, and, and Chiv is the, you know, the, the return of Chiv is the play caller in, in this game. Although, uh, I don't think anybody in the conference at this point is all that impressed with the Stanford defense and Lance Anderson at this point. I, I do think taking a look at this matchup, I think it could be uh, like th- this might be where Stanford's offense gets their mojo back. You have a really bad secondary. I really yeah. liked what Simi Fajoko was able to do, um, and, you know, when Jack West was trying to hit him out there. Now now you actually have uh, Davis Mills come back in. You have the, you have a lot of excellent receivers against just w- what we think is going to be a pretty rough secondary this this year, Max. Do you think that's going to be the key of the game or what are you looking at when you're trying to cap this one? Uh, whether Davis Mills returns. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I and I, I, I think Stanford's offensive line, I think that, like what you guys were saying, uh, has potential to be better than what was, ex- uh, than what was anticipated preseason. I just think Stanford has so much more talent. Uh, Colorado was really fortunate with the turnovers. Like, it's kind of weird that I, I feel like I like the favorites early on, but yeah, no, I mean, I feel like with, with Stanford, this, to me, this should be like a 10, 10, 10 and a half spread. In yeah. Palo Alto. Yeah. I think so too. Like flipping it on the other side of the ball real fast, you know, Broussard had a heck of a, a game. We'll see if that continues against what should be a better front seven than certainly what UCLA is able to put on the field. I want to see this. I actually was interested. I thought the secondary was, decent against Oregon Rob I I don't know if you watched that whole game I mean like obviously Oregon was able to put up points um you know and it was a freshman quarterback but um but I I, like I was I came away more impressed with Stanford than I thought I was going to be it's only one game I could be overreacting but like Max said I think this is a a more talented team likely a better coach team in the secondary at least and um and, and I like I think the front seven will be okay and but if Colorado, you know, drops 150 or 170 yards on the ground against them, if you're a Stanford fan, that's not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is going to depend on. I mean, Neuer, he was fine. I don't. I mean, I they're they're going to have more trouble, of course, against you. You know, even without 
<laughs> even even as you know where Stanford hasn't graded out great on defense in a while, um, you know this is going to be a much bigger challenge than playing that UCLA defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I if they, like this game really does, I think on the, that side of the wall come down to whether Stanford could stop the run, um, and if Neuer can present a you know a, again a threat to run the football, I think that's all to the good for them. Um, you know, but I, I think if, if Mills plays, you know, I think, just think they're going to have a really, really hard time keeping up because I think the Stanford offense should, particularly, I think Colorado at some point is going to really miss Davian Taylor cleaning up in the run game for them. Um, I, I think, you know, this Stanford offense, uh, should be able to run away from Colorado if they're able to run the football well, um, and then come back with, you know, the kind of passing that they were sort of very close to hitting on, you know, a couple of times against Oregon. I, I think Stanford should win pretty handily. Yeah. Just major caveat. Do not bet this game until you know who the quarterback is going to be. <laughs> like do not bet this game. Uh, West is, um, this is the second game I've seen. And um, I, I do not, I do not want any money on any game that he's, he's playing. It is hard. It would, and I should mention, it is hard to play quarterback. It is hard to play college football, you know, be a quarterback in college football. It is, extremely difficult to play as a college quarterback in in a big conference so like you know obviously he's more talented than almost anybody on the earth and playing quarterback but i just don't don't want to put any money on him in a game so we'll, we'll keep a lookout and to see whether or not uh, davis mills is going to be there we got three more games to cover let's do it right after this all right we're back fascinating matchup here 7 30 p.m on espn2 i hope this game happens i really do cal on the road against asu there's no line so far, you know, because of the COVID stuff that happened, uh, which canceled the Washington versus Cal game. Let's talk about ASU and USC here since they're in this game. Max, you you follow USC football closer than anybody. You know, I, I, we came into this game kind of uh, this was a show me game for ASU. And I know ASU lost, uh, but, but they probably shouldn't have. Um, I thought the the play calling on defense was was quite good. They were able to bottle up that offense for the most part throughout the game. They were able to put up points. Uh, uh, there were some accuracy issues with Jaden Daniels. Again, we should mention that. And I know like people have been throwing bombs at this podcast for mentioning it, but it was there. Um, <laughs> like, it was there. Uh, but with all that said, like he was able with his feet, like he had a heck of a game on the ground. He was able to, to put up points to the airs, like also. And I think the lines did pretty well. Like I know USC's offensive line isn't, great but i thought asc was able to put pressure on slovis and and really a great like good game planning here um from the coaching staff um what did you think about the game uh just very very concerning for usc um i, don't, I guess i can talk about different a lot of different things just third and fourth and short just running the ball straight up the middle from shotgun that didn't really work a lot of the time it kind of felt like definition of insanity he was doing it over and over again it just seemed like the only play on the play sheet um, I mean, with Slovis, like there are so many, uh, so many quick throws, but I think a, a, a lot of it was USC's offensive line just w- did not look good. I was very, I mean, Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce as the defensive coordinators, like that seems like a huge, huge upgrade for Arizona State. And I am a lot more bullish on their defense this season than I am their offense. With Todd Orlando, like so many of USC's best defensive players were kind of invisible during the game. Like Drake Jackson, who was their best defensive lineman last season as a freshman, they put him at linebacker and he just wasn't making like nearly as many impact plays. I thought the best player on USC was Drake London. Uh, I mean, he, he definitely balled out at wide receiver, but 
yeah, a lot of a lot of things to be concerned about. But this, you know, it's Groundhog Day with Clay Helton. <laughs> and, and they they did get theirs right. Like, so it wasn't like ASU bottled up the offense. But I thought they did a good job considering all the talent on offense and keeping Slovis um, contained. Like like Max mentioned, Rob. You know, you had Drake London had 125 yards and a touchdown. Amon Ross St. Brown had 100 yards. But still, like I I came away impressed with with that defense and and all again the play calling that they were able to do and that was the big question mark headed into this year was are they gonna be now it's just one game so far but what were your takeaways i i this is just a fascinating matchup i was so glad that it was the first game of the year in the pac-12 yeah i mean i i think you we i i feel like we me i beat the drum bader and tried to beat the drum of like hey pay attention to asu's defense and then i mean there's a little bit of uncertainty about the coordinators but you know, we expected the defense, which really carried this team last season, to be good again. Um, and, you know, like breaking to it, like projecting them to be a top 25 defense this year. They came in, um, man, Lewis and Pierce came in with a great game plan. I mean, the, the like there was a lot of chatter. And I actually think, I, I, says, I think Keaton Slovis had a good game. Like he was like, it's not just the raw stats. I think USC's wide receivers and their play calling and scheme had an awful game, right? <laughs> like if you look at what Slovis was doing, like the people would be complaining, right? Like why, like Slovis is holding the ball and you just watch his head going through his reads. <laughs> not open, not open, not open, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that was like, you could just like, I mean, uh, like I know people are often not like, what, like that's what I'm watching because on TV, of course you don't have the all 22. So like I'm watching the QB's head, like where are his eyes, right? And you're watching Slovis go through his reads and like, it's just, like one, two, three, not open. And he's often like having to come down and find the check down or like even on his, his, you know, his interception was a bad interception. I mean, ASU is forcing him into some throws that, I mean, he was making some dicier throws because that's all that was available. Um, so I mean, I, I really do like kudos hands down. Like everyone should be excited. If you're an ASU fan about the defense, like they were very good. Man, Jaden Daniels sucked. Like, <laughs> so too. Like, he had some of the running. Like, if you take away that one pass play, which was a pass literally at the line of scrimmage that went for a touchdown for 55 yards, he was 10 of 23 for 79 yards. He had major accuracy issues in this game. And ASU, you know, like to have the kind of game plan um, and execute that their defense really did put USC in a hole. I mean, USC also, I mean, they turned the ball over four times, three of which are turnovers. That's bad luck. ASU also turned the ball over three times. But I mean, that that ASU offense, um, for the most part, was really bailed out by by Daniels, you know, in either scrambling or, you know, when he took off and ran it himself. You know, like it's just, I, I was not, I was less impressed. And I was probably like, if you're an ASU fan, I'd be a little more worried, I think, about where this offense might shake out and then the step that you really needed Daniels to, to take um, because it's not, I mean, th- there are some young wide receivers there. There's, you know, there's definitely room for some, for some, for him to get some more help, um, you know, from those guys, you know, and maybe have them running more crisp routes, but like he was often throwing into, you know, single coverage, you know, down the field and you know, USC was not having to, to really drop, uh, you know, drop eight or anything to try to take it away. Uh, and he was just, he was inaccurate if, if the pass was having to go more than seven yards down the field. So that I would say was a little bit of a watch out. Cause I don't know that I was like, like Max, I don't know that I was exceedingly impressed with the, what USC was doing off at, you know, defensively. I thought ASU just was pretty, you know, like 
pretty inefficient. Does that that sound about right, Max? Yep. Um, yeah, I, I mean, with ASU, I, I think I'm going to be playing a good amount of unders this year with this team. The one thing that was interesting, and, and Rob, I'm glad that you mentioned, I think that that pass that was at the line of scrimmage, uh, I was like, oh, man, he was like throwing the ball through the air. <sighs> Give me like, <laughs> kind of. Um, the running game, though, if you want to take uh, you want to take away in the offense, that's positive for ASU. It was being able to put up about 150 yards outside of the 100 yards, basically, that yeah, Daniels true. had. But it also continues the narrative that you can run on this USC team. That was something that was a problem last year, and um, we'll keep an eye on that. It, it looks like it could be a problem again this year, but kudos to ASU for, you know, we were kind of questioning, like, we were questioning whether or not they'd have a running game, but it was like, all right, you, you replace, you know, Benjamin, who's it going to be? Are they going to be effective against what should be a talented line? It should be one, um, but they were able to get the job done on the ground and able to keep ASU in the game, and that again, that was without even Daniels really saving a lot of plays by brilliantly just, like, bolting <laughs> and just getting some of those yards, which is really you know like it's like it's interesting i think sometimes people get like really too into the weeds about like oh yeah like when he scrambles you know um like like people don't count those as yards like those are yards like he was able to to keep the the chains going and get first downs and keep you know those drives moving by doing that we'll see if he has to do that again in the future but yeah let's let's get to this game here so there's no line on this like we mentioned it is um cal on the road at asu and uh rob what do we got here with the numbers so here we've got it's uh, oh by, by the way I'm sorry let me just USC won this game so let, let's just at least like appreciate the comeback right like <laughs> the onside kick they were only put up 14 points oh, yeah. like really quickly we just like it, it we we it sounded like they didn't win the game based on what we just said like they they came back and won this game and may have saved the Pac-12 South I, I'm sorry I just can't, I can't like not mention that before we before we move on Rob. No, no. I mean, like, they're huge questions. I mean, like, we hit on it a little bit, right? I mean, like, huge questions. But yeah, they they won. Um, you know, so like there, if you're a USC fan, like you at least, uh, you live to fight another day after that. Um, so it's, it's here we've got, it's, it's 41 Arizona state. Cal comes in at 32. Uh, it's going to be at ASU. Uh, it's a toss up and win probability. And Arizona state just has this very slight home field advantage of like a third of a point. So basically gives them like the slight nod. I mean, you could, you know, you round that up to a, to a half a point for ASU here. Um, just an ever so slight nod to to make them a slight favorite in the game. Okay, Max. It looks like ASU can run the ball. It looks like their offensive line was okay. Like okay, you know, particularly in run block. Now again, we had questions about USC's defensive line. One of the things that we thought that teams will be able to do on Cal is run. Um, so, and by the way, like their secondary takes a step back in coaching. Now they've been coached up by one of the best secondary coaches in the country who is now, um, in the NFL. So like, I don't think they lose that skill set. but so, so it'll be interesting to see, um, whether or not Daniels is going to be pressured to throw that ball. Um, do you think ASU is going to be able to get it done on the ground and, and win this game? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. For me, it's, it's still more of a, a wait and see with Arizona state's, uh, rushing attack. I mean, yes, it looked good, but I also think. USC hasn't really dealt well with mobile quarterbacks and read options for the past several years now. Um, and I think that that definitely helped out ASU move the ball quite a bit. Um, I don't know, like for, for me, I'm with, I think that this is a toss up. Like I would, I would have this spread Arizona state minus three. Like, like I, I think that these teams are, are pretty even in my book. Rob, one of the things we should mention too is there's a couple turnovers here in in the game, <laughs> um, both both on ASU. Like USC lost lost the ball three times. 
um, and still came back and won. So I could, just going back to the USC game, I think it's important to mention that. Um, and, and ASU had a couple losses as well. As I'm, I'm looking at Cal, like we don't quite know what Cal's offense is going to be. It's likely going to have some tight end sets. Oh. No, no, I mean, like, that's like, the, like, Cal's a mystery in this in a lot of ways, right? But, like, if you were going to take what worked for ASU, right? Like, uh, you know, USC switched into a three man front. We we had big questions about whether they had anyone that could play two gap, could really hold the point of attack uh, at the nose. And that answer turned out to be no for USC. That answer was no for Cal last year, right? Yeah. And, and <laughs> they have fewer gone. players now. <laughs> yeah. And Evan Weaver. So like the, for me, like if you're a, if you're ASU and you're looking for like, you know, cause we've actually seen you play now. Um, if you're looking for like, you know, things that could, you know, to make you feel good coming into this game, um, you know, it would be that they, you know, they, you know, that you still had a, you know, the, the defense, you feel good about that. That feels like something you can build on. And then the part of your offense that really worked in this game should work again against this Cal defense for the most part, unless they found, I mean, unless Cal has found someone to come in and play nose, right? Like you should be able to run the ball up the middle against Cal. Yeah. And, and when you take a look at the defensive line, like flipping on the other side of the ball, seven tackles for a loss, three sacks for that front seven, um, including a major play by Merlin Robinson that came around the edge. Uh, you know, Cal, um, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Jack Jones is fully healthy. I know he had some cramping in that game, but the, the, I thought the secondary showed out as much as like you can expect against USC. This is not going to be USC's skill level um, on the wide receiving front. And the front seven are like, I, I came away actually fairly impressed. I, you know, I, um, if this is, if Cal's favored in this game, I would lean ASU. It just depends on what the number is, but uh, does that sound about right uh, on your end, Rob? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely have the Sun Devils a little bit here. It's not, I said, there's um, no, way, there's no way Cal's a favorite. There's yeah. no, well, why, why are you cramping my style, Max? <laughs> no, it's like Arizona state has a game under their belts and they look good. Bruce Feldman yeah. told me that, that, that Cal could win this conference. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, it, look, I mean, like we still have no earthly idea what this Musgrave, you know, offense is going to look like with Cal, right? Like we know, we know who almost all of the players are going to be because they're all back, but who they, you know, who, who they actually look, you know, what they actually look like, who's able to, you know, who stands out, what, what schematically, what are they trying to do uh, in this game? That, that's a pretty big question coming in here. Um, and they, 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 you know, they, they get to open. I mean, it wouldn't have been any fun for them, I guess, opening against Washington either, but they get to open against a defense that looks to be on the up. Right. And I mean, a lot of like that, it is, you rightly called out Brian, like that, that ASU pass defense was, was not the strong part of their defense last year. It was the front seven, man. They, they were good. I mean, they were good against USC and USC, as we talked about really still from a pure talent perspective has the best wide receiver core in the conference. Um, I mean, I, I think that they, they, they probably left USC with a lot of questions about what they were doing, you know, in the passing game, even though I think Slovis still had a good game. I mean, if you're Cal, like, I mean, ASU, like you feel good. I mean, Cal's wide receivers are, are nothing like that. And Garbers isn't anywhere near, you know, Slovis. So if they can, and it's going to be tougher because like you got a lot of tape. I mean, you got a year's worth of tape on Graham Harrell at USC and then, you know, some North Texas tape. I mean, Bill Musgrave is a little bit of a different animal, right? I mean, it might help that Lewis has some NFL time and he's seen Musgrave in his time in the NFL, but 
that matchup to me, I mean, I, I do, maybe ASU is not able to come in with the kind of game plan you might expect. So Cal might have a little, I mean, they, they definitely have, don't have a kinks advantage here, but they at least have some ASU tape from the season to work off of. Um, but I, I still like, I mean, I, I think ASU's defense is going to be able to, to, to hold, to hold Cal to, to a worse game than they just put on USC. Yeah. I always feel bad for the Cal fans because we, we still think Cal's going to be pretty good. Um, yeah. you know, relative to the conference, but starting against Washington and then starting against this ASU team that really the defense showed up, man, like, uh, you know, if ASU kind of dropped the ball and maybe lost by 20, I mean, obviously I'd be picking Cal, which may be an overreaction, but like just seeing some of the things that ASU had to do to challenge for the Pac-12 South, it looks like they have some of those things on defense lockdown. We'll see about the offense. Um, but one of the weaknesses again, I think is, is Cal's, uh, front seven. We'll see if that's the case or not. It could be wrong. I also think there's a little bit of weakness in the secondary too, but I don't think it matters as much with Daniels and those wide receivers. So, uh, Max, uh, what would you set this line at? Uh, ASU minus three. Uh, that's fair. Um, all right, let's move on. Saturday, 1230 on Fox. USC is a 13 and a half point favorite against Arizona. This is game is in Tucson. We've already talked about the USC game. We didn't have a chance to watch Arizona play here. Let, let's start with you, Max. Um, you know, you know this USC team. Rob and I um, have been watching a lot of Arizona football. We, we have some new coordinators on both sides <laughs> of this game. Uh, what, what direction do you want to head here? What are you going to be looking for? So, I don't like with this game, I feel like USC, like, Yes, like it's it's Clay Helton as a double digit favorite again. Um, I just feel like though teams having a game under their belt versus teams making their season debut is actually kind of a big advantage for the teams that have played. Uh, and with this, I feel like USC is going to be a little undervalued here, as much as it pains me to say that because USC is never undervalued. But I just I thought Arizona State just really really executed like an outstanding uh, defensive game plan and made this USC offense look normal when in fact they have so much talent on that side of the ball and I don't think that Arizona has the coaching or the personnel on on that side of the ball to pull something like that off uh I think offensively Arizona can keep up but I don't like for me like I I think the over if I'm guessing that the over is going to be in like the mid 60s in this game uh maybe like a 64 or something like that and I, I would take the over on that I don't know. I, I just think that you. I think Arizona is going to have a really tough time stopping USC's offense. Yeah. I, well, the question for you on that. So, if you're taking the over and it's it's uh, you know above average over, how many points do you think Arizona is going to be able to put on USC? Because their running backs aren't going to be as good. Um, they do bring back an offensive line that was fine, and they'll be healthy. Uh, and Grant Canell can throw the ball, but the wide receivers for Arizona aren't great. Um, I, I can see a scenario where Arizona really struggles to put up points, but, um, but you know, you know, USC's defense better than I do. I could, I could see like Arizona getting like 21, 24 points. Like I, I see like a, like a 45, 21, 24 type of game. Okay. I just, you know, that secondary for USC, do, do you think they're good? They, they have the talent. And I thought, I mean, obviously Hafunga has, uh, is, is a monster and you have some really good corners. I just think that that could be a real weakness for Arizona going up against a good secondary um, and really forcing them to run the ball. And they're not like, they're not great. Like, what do you think about USC secondary headed into this year? Yeah. I mean, I think USC safeties are really good. I think that they have a lot of young talent on the back end. It's just, you know, going through growing pains and, and whether it's like making penalties or um, committing penalties or maybe like some in- inconsistent play. But I, the USC, I feel like I say this every year, like USC has talent in the secondary. 
Um, it'll just be, it, I, I, I do think that they talent wise, like they are one of the better secondaries in, in the conference. Um, and Arizona state, I mean, with their wideouts, I, they, Arizona state has talent wide and so does Arizona. So I think that there could be some interesting matchups here, but I do think that USC's secondary just with just, they're so young and then not having all the practices and, and then having that game under their belt. I think that they they're in for a better week this time. Yeah. Rob, we're up here to the numbers say, I'm just worried that Gannell isn't going to be able to really, I mean, like he's better than Tate. I know that. Like I, I do think, I think we might differ in how much better he's going to be. Um, that I think he's a pretty, he'll probably be a pretty good quarterback, um, for Arizona, which is significantly better than Tate. Um, uh, but going up against the secondary, um, I, th- I think the front seven for USC, you can still run on them, but like, it's not like Arizona is just this powerhouse running team, uh, particularly with the backs that they have right now. What, what do the numbers say here at beta rank? Yeah. I mean, so beta rank basically sees it the same as, you know, uh, as the line. I mean, it's, it's got USC at 25, Arizona at 77. Um, you know, USC with an 83% win probability, um, a, a little less though. I mean, only 11 points, uh, you know, on, on the road, you know, and then it, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, the you know, USC's offense comes in at 21, uh, Arizona's defense comes in projected at 72. Uh, you know, of course, like Arizona, we have, it's, it's all projection, right? Um, but USC's, you know, offensive split isn't all that different from last year. I mean, they ran the ball 32 times in that game <laughs> against ASU. They just, they stunk at it. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, just like last year in a lot of ways, um, you know, the, the defense here for USC, I mean, we've only got, I've only got them at 49. I mean, a lot of that is that they weren't projected all that highly coming into this year. Um, but I, I, I mean, I guess for me, I, the, like we remember a, like, yeah, a, U of A does not have some amazing offensive line. They were a lot better than ASU last year, even with the injuries. And if Josh Vacali and, you know, Donovan Lye can, you know, and Congle can, can, can handle it. I, I, you know, from what we saw with ASU being able to run the football, I mean, you know, the, this entire, the, you know, that side of the ball is really going to hinge on, I think if, if they can run the football, uh, you know, and if, if, or if USC can actually shut that down, the, the early returns, of course, on the switch over to the three man front, um, and you know, what was already a pretty porous run defense from last year were not good against, you know, ASU. I, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I see, like, I don't, I don't think Arizona keeps this game particularly close. I, I think it's probably closer to 10 points though. Um, just because I do think that this USC defense actually might struggle to stop the run again. And if that's the case, then Gannells might have an easier time because he's a far better passer than Jaden Daniels is. This game is so tough for me. I, I have to really bet like on the podcast, I'm going to take the, I'll take the points, the 13 and a half. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to dive a little bit more into this, uh, you know, after, the, after the show, because I just, I don't trust, um, I don't trust Arizona's offense. I don't trust the passing game against USC secondary. I, I don't. I don't trust the secondary against USC. They yes. cannot. They cannot pull off what Arizona State did. I think that they can shut down enough. I mean, with Roy Lopez and Blackwell, USC will have an easier time running the ball than they did against ASU for sure. But. I don't. I don't think the secondary is going to be able to execute anything like ASU's game plan. Yeah, I mean the pressure is going to be all on the secondary. Like USC, what on a good night against Arizona, they just can't really run the ball very well. So what, hundred and 
30 yards would be probably a good night. Um, but, it, but it really, I think is going to be a, the pass attack against the secondary that's, um, has new coaches and, um, and has had some departures and stuff. So, uh, like I, um, I actually, I, I might go against you, Max, on the over if it's, if it's like at the sixties, I just, I know USC is going to put up points. I don't know if Arizona is going to put up points. Um, and, and if I'm taking the under, then I'm taking the points. Um, yeah. no, well, you know, and where this could really like. We talk about these units as if they're, you know, they exist without special teams. Sometimes, I mean, Arizona's had awful special oh, teams, yeah. right? It's one of, but <laughs> well, it's so one is of the USC, that, but uh, not as bad yeah, as Arizona. I mean, but USC hasn't been in the range that Arizona's been in, right? Like Arizona is in the range of like, you know, like among the worst in college football, you know. And with Sean Snyder, like, I mean, I thought USC was, you know, more competent on special teams for sure. You know, the, the trouble for Arizona and that the offense may end up in here and where Arizona fans might get mad is, I mean, I expect Arizona to be able to put up yards against USC. If their field position stinks, they may have some drives that just don't finish in points. Mm. All right. So, Max, you taking the points? You going to give them? What do you got? Uh, no, I think I'm going to lay them. Okay. All right. He's going to take USC 13 and a half. What about you, Rob? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take Arizona here. I, I, I think it's, I think it's just a, just a shade too high. Ugh. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll take the points. I might change this on Twitter. Again, follow us at, uh, on Twitter at 12 pack radio, by the way, um, where we put out all the point lines and all that stuff, all the results from their contests. Um, I'm still a little bit uncertain on this. I'd like to see what the win total is also, but for now, put me down as Arizona plus 13 and a half. Let's move on. We have two more games to cover. Let's do those last two right after this. You know, we're doing this Pac-12 Survivor Pool, and one of the problems right now, you know, is you have so many COVID games. So we had a ton of entries into the the pool, and a couple of people were asking, oh, shoot, like, with the game canceled, there's about, like, 10 people that didn't quite get their pick in. If you if you picked Utah, or they got their pick in, but they picked Utah, if you picked Utah, enter in next week, and and we'll continue to, to count you. I'll probably put an asterisk by you, so if there's a tiebreaker, I'm definitely going to give it to the person that, that picked Oregon. But I, people drop like flies out of this uh, contest, and again... Really, the contest is you, you pick one team a week to to win. If they win, you move on. If they lose, you're out. And you can only pick a team once throughout the season. Um, and, and with that said, we had lots of entries and, and we had lots of casualties. And in honor of, of the dead, uh, we're going we're gonna to read them here. One moment. Max Meyer. Baller. Jesse the Body Ventura. John. Fight on for Urban. You will be missed, and we will see you next year. Sleep well, sweet princes. Shout out to Kay Harris, by the way, for taking Colorado. <laughs> put, put the balls on the table real early. <laughs> I appreciated that pick. And by the way, the best name of the of the year goes to uh, Tyler Shuck You Up. I really appreciated that one. So, uh, Max, you went in with UCLA, man. That that was a <laughs> that took some courage. Yeah, I mean, I just figured that I wasn't picking UCLA again this year, and I rolled the dice. It'll happen. Um, Saturday, 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, we have Oregon State as a 12-point dog. On the road at Washington, Seattle, we did not see Washington play, obviously, last week, which was a total bummer because that Washington-Cal game would have been really fun and I think have a, have a big indication into both those teams, similar to the ASU and USC game. We did not get that. We did see Oregon State uh, struggle for a long portion of that game, Max. Um, that that double-digit dogs, do you think it's deserved? Uh, yeah, I, I do think it's deserved just with... I don't know, like Oregon State, like the market definitely liked them, but with the 
talent level on, on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Like it, it doesn't even compare to Washington. The one thing I guess they could do is run the ball. They have Jamar Jefferson. He had a good a, a good night. The big question that we had about Washington was whether um, the front line and the linebackers are going to be able to uh, contain the run. They obviously um, miss Levi Omuzarike. Uh, Joe Tryon is gone. They're probably going to bring in Savelle Smalls and a couple other like younger players on on that front. Do you uh, are you optimistic that Jefferson can get it done and at least keep them in this game? Uh, well, the the thing with Oregon State from last year is is when they were when they played like mediocre or poor Pac-12 defenses, the offense came to life. But when they played elite, like I oh, remember, yeah. like Oregon State was de- demolished by Washington's defense last year. It was just like night and day when they played good Pac-12 defenses versus poor Pac-12 defenses. No, that's a good point. And Rob, I think when you flip it on the other side, right? Oregon couldn't stop the. <laughs> Couldn't stop the run against Washington State with uh, Devon McIntosh, and uh, and now you have uh, McGrew, you have um, uh, the other the other guy that Richard Newton, yeah, Richard Newton, who I really like. I mean, you talk about those yards after after that first contact. I think Newton's going to get those for you. Washington might just be able to grind this out. Like they, I mean, they also have the wide receivers. We don't know who the quarterback is, but man, Oregon State secondary is not good. No, I mean they 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 are not a good secondary last season at all. And if they can't stop the run, if they struggle with that, Washington should be able to run the football uh, in, you know, coming into this game. We have, I mean, we have, well, you know, it was our first glimpse of Oregon's offense and, you know, under Moorhead and Tyler Shuck, we don't know who the quarterback is. We don't necessarily know what this is going to look like with Donovan uh, calling plays, you know, how it's going to differ um, from what they were running before under Hamdan. So I, uh, you know, I, 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 even with all the Durham and Strang, and I, I mean, I don't think any of us were excited about the Donovan hire. I still expect him to be better than Hamdan. Uh, and so I, I think Washington's offense, you know, we've only got him projected at 48 with all the, you know, all that they lost, you know, uh, off of last year's unit, which wasn't that great. I, I think that they're going to beat that pretty handily. I mean, the beta rank has this right now, Washington at, uh, 14 Oregon State at 62, you know, at home, 91% win probability for the Huskies, uh, you know, 17.95, I mean, 18 points. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think this could, if Washington's, cause I think, I still think Washington's defense is going to be very, very good. Uh, and I think, you know, if Washington doesn't turn the ball over Washington, you know, with, you know, a, an improved offense, how much is yet to be determined. Um, I, I think Washington should be able to roll in this game. Max, one of the questions we had on Oregon State was whether Tristan Jebbia was going to be able to uh, really keep the magic going in Corvallis. He he is not Jake Luton, and I understand that. Uh, but I wasn't expecting him to be Jake Luton. Like, what did you think about his performance against the the Cougars? Uh, I don't like. I, I wasn't like too too enchanted by it. I mean, like he had uh, he, he did put up stats, but that's just because. I mean, Oregon State, like they just fell into a, a hole, um, like pretty, like pretty early on. Especially, I mean, they were down twenty-eight to seven, and so they had to throw the ball a lot. And Washington State's defense, like, yes, they they have a defensive coordinate, a new defensive coordinator in Dickert that I think is promising. But this is still a defense that you can get yards on for and, and points on for sure. So I don't know, but I guess for me. With this game, I, I, we do have another coaching revenge game with Jonathan Smith. Um, I, with Washington, I, I'm just, 
I think that their defense is, is definitely going to bring in the goods. I'm just really not so sure about their offense. And if I, this line is it's going to be double digits, it might even be two touchdowns. That's a lot to trust for an offense that I really don't have that much faith in. Okay. And Rob, you had a beta rank headed at 18. Yep. Let's, let's flip over to, let, let's talk real quick about Washington's offense against Oregon state's defense. I, I don't know. I just I think Washington's going to be able to move the ball. They're they're going to be able to do it on the ground. I think they're going to be able to do it through the air. Even with like I, I hear what Max is saying, particularly like right. Do you want to do you want to lay fourteen points on a quarterback you haven't seen in an offensive system you haven't seen? But I do trust the wide receivers, um, and I and I do think that Oregon State's secondary is bad. And like if Jaden Delora can drop some dimes on them, like I, I do think there's going to be some open wide receivers and I like the talent more at Washington. I'm going to I'm going to lay the points and and this might be one of the ones that I put some real real coin on. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean I like Washington. I mean like I said I like Washington here. I think I mean there's beyond just like, you know, that I think they will have some improvement on where Hamdan was as a play caller. I I'm with you. I mean I really like Newton. I think that they actually might have some upgrades at some of the skill positions with you know players like Nakua getting on the field more. I I really still like I like the special teams. I really like where the defense is going to be. I think if if Oregon State in particular gets behind early and they do have to throw, like this Washington secondary is absolutely like this defense is built to have a little bit of a lead and force you to have to throw against them. Um, you know, their Debbie is just gonna I think he's gonna have a nightmare of a day. Um, you know, trying to find guys open and I, I mean, I like we saw. I mean, the the struggle for Oregon State really their biggest struggle beyond the fall off of Luton, and we talked about this is it might be that their offensive line isn't quite as good. I just, I mean, I think they could be in a you know big field position hole all game, you know. And, and Washington, you know, I don't. I mean, Washington's never been super aggressive on offense, right? So, I mean, other than when they you know some of those Smith offenses. So I just don't know that I would say. I don't know that Washington's going to run up the score. Like it might be a nail yeah. biter around the line. Like that's the trouble with why, like, you know, they can still go turtle, you know, they can go to the full David Shaw or Herm Edwards and uh, choke the game away. But I, uh, you know, I, 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 I still think that they end up like closer to 17 points than, you know, they do to, uh, to 10. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what Max is saying too, is like where, um, you know, you could be sweating out a 12 point lead, you know, as this line goes mm-hmm. up to 14, which it will. And you're like, come on, kick the field goal. You know, like, ah, <laughs> I hate being in that position. The the one thing that I do want to bring up too, though, is that I do think the one thing that, wa- well, there's a lot Washington has going for it. One of, one of them, when you're betting them against bad teams, is that defense is not designed to give up big plays. So like you mentioned, Rob, if they're ahead, um, it's not just that it's forcing you to throw the ball. It's just that like the, the odds of Oregon State hitting a you know 70 yard pass out of nowhere for the touchdown I, just Washington isn't built to give those plays up unless they're playing elite talent so that is that one thing that might keep that lead um, that keep that double digit lead heading into the end of the game but we we will see um, Max last words on, on this game anything else that you're looking for uh, no I think I, I think I said everything all right last game here Saturday 730 on Fox we have Utah. 
who we have not seen, against UCLA. We already talked about UCLA's game against Colorado. No line on this because we're not certain whether or not Utah is going to be able to play the game, although there was lots of really good reports um, today that said that uh, there were no new COVID tests. Uh, they were able to move the, the game from Friday to Saturday night and put it on, on national television, so another Pac-12 after dark on Fox. And Max, man, this one's this one's hard, hard to... Um, I guess hard to discuss because we just don't know too much about Utah, but what are the things that you're going to keep an eye on? It's like, I mean, with Utah, it's obviously replacing like Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss, two of the best offensive players in the conference. And it's going to be no easy feat though. I mean, Utah does have a couple nice pieces with like uh Keithy at tight end and Covey at wide out. Um, but I don't like UCLA. I like the fact that they fell behind 35 to seven to Colorado was, was pretty unbelievable. But you just with, with UCLA, like they just had terrible. Well, they turned the ball over so much, and you can't just rely on that high number of turnovers game game after game, even if Dorian Thompson Robbins your quarterback. So I actually think UCLA might be a little undervalued uh, heading into this game, and as as weird as it is to say, and I don't know, like I, Utah is going to be favored. But if if it gets up to like Utah minus seven in Los Angeles, I I, I probably am gonna have to take UCLA and hold my nose. Rob, this is Max's specialty. Like these types of games where a team is overvalued over another team, or like there's something like I actually was saying that I started to smile because um, he might be right. Like UCLA might be able to move this ball against a diff, like a right. We were just talking about how if you want Utah, you want them early. Um, it's true. UCLA is going to get them early. The, the, on the flip side, I guess let's talk about. Um, let's talk about. On the flip side, it's Kyle Whittingham versus Chip Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, we, like, and you still have. I mean, Jerry Azanaro is still there, right? Like, yeah. and, and Dorian Thompson Robinson. Well, well, let's 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 talk about both sides of the ball here. So, um, UCLA's rush offense um, against the front seven of Utah, they they lose a lot. But they do bring back those ends and some big guys, and I like whatever whatever magic water they have in Salt Lake that they they feed to their linebackers. Uh, it's amazing because every year we're like, ah, oh, who's going to be the linebacker? And then it's always like, oh my gosh, these linebackers are really good, <laughs> over and over and over again. So I do see a scenario I think where Utah bottles up the run, and now you're forcing Thompson Robinson to pass. So now now I'm kind of talking myself out of that. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, what are the numbers well, here's, say? <laughs> here's the key. I mean, like everyone forgets this about Chip Kelly's offense and it's like, since he brought it back, like his, his offense runs through the tight end, right? Like, I mean, every year, the guy that's had the big year in the offense has been the tight end. Um, and they're, they're, you know, the guy that had the big game against Colorado was Greg Dulcich who, you know, had, you know, the, the, you know, the four catches for one twenty six mm-hmm. and CD, you know, like it's the tight end. Like, I mean, there it's, it consistently runs at the tight end for for Kelly. So if you could shut down, and I, I mean, I, I that's I mean, Whittingham's, you know, Whittingham and Scaly are, are are bright defensive minds. You know, I I expect that they're going to have a plan. I mean, they've seen this movie before. This is the third time they've been playing UCLA, right? You know, they they should. I mean, you say should as long as like my I guess my if you're concerned, it might be that. You know, if if Thompson Robinson runs the ball, which is has not been you know a real feature of this offense under Kelly, um, that could open things up for them a little bit. And it, might, I mean, it still might. I mean, like last year's UC, you know, Utah secondary was excellent. 
this year's Utah secondary is a big question mark, right? And we do expect them to have a little bit of a fallback. I mean, Utah comes in only projected at 42 on defense because of the substantial personnel losses that they have coming in. Um, you know, UCLA is only at 49 on offense right now in beta rank. Um, you know, they, they definitely still have a lot of work to, you know, potentially do there. I, I just, I guess my question is, as as we, you know, sort of think about this, because I, you know, the, of a Vegas line came out on this already at Utah by only two, which I thought, like, man, that's overvaluing overvaluing UCLA. Um, beta rank has it at just at seven on the road. And I, I mean, that like, that's the tough part is still is, I mean, if you like that, like Colorado got the benefit of some good field position and some turnovers, but it's, you know, they were also able to, when necessary, move the ball. I don't know. I mean, I guess the question I have for you guys is like, do you guys think that Utah could put up points here in this game? I, I mean, I, I think, I think almost anyone can put up points against UCLA still. What do you think, Max? Uh, well, I mean, I, I do I, with Utah's quarterbacks. Like they, they, they do have an interesting quarterback room. Uh, it would yeah. be hard. It would be hard to not score against UCLA. But this is the Pac-12, and and we see weird things every week. Uh, I mean, Neuer, like who played last year at safety, having a pretty decent. Yeah. Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. And this. This is the line, like, I feel like the Oregon-Washington state line is, is wonky, too. But at least, like, with that, like, that line, like, it just, that one doesn't make any sense. Like, I just think that Oregon is clear-cut. This line doesn't make sense, but it makes sense to me if, not that, I think two is low. And I think, it, I would be shocked if Utah closes at under a field goal. There's, I, I would be, like, very, very yeah. surprised. Uh, I don't, I don't think... I would also be surprised if this gets to seven because that would be enough points for me to take UCLA. So uh, I don't think, I think it's going to probably be like maybe like Utah by like five or so, something like that, maybe four and a half, four and a half, five. That's, that, that's probably where I would have it. I mean, I still find this interesting though, because like, as I mean, I thought, and I don't know if you agreed, Max, but I thought that betting markets were, you know, and, 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 and the, the books were overvaluing UCLA coming, coming into this year. Both in the win totals that they were giving, you know, the win totals that they were giving, you know, the Bruins coming in. I think this line here, which I mean, last week's line for Utah versus Arizona was what, like fourteen points. Yep. Um, you know, to have the the Vegas line with at two, I just thought like that's cr- I mean that's yeah. I mean like I think Utah's going to have some hiccups, but I think UCLA is far closer to Arizona than people are think right like i'm not i'm not saying that like utah is utah is that much better than we think i just i, I sometimes wonder that like is you like do people think that ucla is better than they might actually be I, I feel like with ucla like i feel like what a lot of people don't realize is this is like one of the least talented ucla rosters i think yeah. in a long time um and I, there, maybe there's still mystique with the chip kelly factor but we have enough of a sample size for me like the, if if this were to get this is more of a fate of utah because i i yeah. did say that i think that the time to bet against utah with all that returning production is early in the season and, and especially away from home even if there is no home field advantage i i just think that getting well in utah there is but when utah's on the road i, I think that that's kind of the time to snipe them but uh, yeah, I, I think with UCLA and Chip, 
I don't know why it feels like they're perennially uh, a little overrated or in, in betting markets. Like as as down as I was on Colorado, and I I don't think that there was anyone more pessimistic than me on Colorado. I still had to take Colorado on the points because I thought that what do we get? What what do we pick it at six and a half? I yeah. thought UCLA favored by yeah. six and a half was high, and so it's yeah, it's 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 weird for sure, and. If anyone if anyone gets Utah minus two or if it's still out there like that that line's crazy to me. Um, I actually you know I kind of I want to look at it now. I'm just I'm just curious. Because I mean I th- I'm with you like I think seven might be high because Utah you know mileage is going to vary on them early in the season. I think they're going to improve over it. I do think this is probably like closer to five in reality. It's at five. Oh, it's already up to five. All right. Well, <laughs> congrats to whoever jumped on that too. Like always like. Always, always, always hit the line early, like bang the book early. Yeah, so okay, so four and a half, five, that's where I expect this. Uh, but you know what? Maybe maybe there will be some steam, and, and so, especially because it's, it's the late game and, and the, it's the chase game for people that might not have had the best day, and, and Utah might climb up to that seven range. And yeah, I don't know. This game just feels weird to me. I don't like it. I just I think, don't like it that I, I don't like it that I like UCLA. <laughs> I, I think the one, like... The over might be interesting, and I, but like what we was talking about, can Utah score on UCLA? And the question is yes, or the answer is yes. Like I, I like Devin Brumfield. I thought that obviously he's not Zach Moss, but they're going to be able to run the ball. We just saw Colorado run the ball against uh, against UCLA. There's no like I don't have much of a question whether or not Utah will be able to do that. Um, their secondary is bad, and so I think you're going to see like Brian Thompson, Britton Covey returns. You have Cole Fotheringham and Brent Keithy. Like, there's options. I think Utah's going to put up points um, against a really bad defense, but also I could see a scenario where UCLA bursts a couple major plays. You know, like Thompson Robinson gets another 50 yard scramble, or like they hit the tight end. Like, you know, or like I just can't, like I think Utah's going to put up points too. Um, does anybody see what the season win or not the win to- uh, what the uh, point total is? Max, did, can you find one? Uh, I saw it. I think it was like at fifty eight and a half. Oh, that's pretty. Actually, that's higher than I thought that they would. Um, yeah, no, it actually it opened. Apparently, it opened at or opened at fifty three and a half, and it's now oh. at fifty eight. Gross. Gross, man. Like you just mentioned, Rob, get those numbers in early. Damn. Oh, man. <laughs> I, need to... I mean, but again, like, I mean, like another thing, like UCLA's, UCLA's, UCLA special teams weren't great last year. Utah's, of course, are traditionally pretty good. If Utah is able to, you know, put UCLA in a long field position hole, like I do think that, you know, even if Utah's defense is inconsistent, they might find some ways to get off the field. Just like I... I don't know. I mean, it, it does feel like one, though, that Utah breaking in so many new pieces, you know, you could almost put down the Utes for maybe one or two turnovers in this game. And if you did that, then then it's sort of like the like which which, you know, uh, does does Dorian Thompson Robinson like hit the tub of Vaseline with his hands on his way out the door? Right. Like, it is, like how many fumbles does he have uh, in this game? Because I mean, like. Uh, Thompson, I mean, fifty percent completion. I mean, that Colorado secondary last year was was horrendous. I mean, fifty percent completion. You know, Utah, even with replacing everyone, I expect to be much better than Colorado. Yeah, give me Utah. I mean, we've been dumping on UCLA all year, and like, and I didn't bet Colorado. And I looked at him like as the game was being played. I'm like, like what? 
I mean, like I, I took Oregon, you know, so it wasn't like, but that was a game that I looked at and I was like, hey, I just kind of need to see Colorado. But all year we've been talking about how we don't think UCLA is good. And now we're, we're getting five, um, you know, we're, we're, we're basically lane five with Utah. I'll take Utah. Like we don't have to pick on this one. Like uh, once, once the William Hill line comes up, I'll, we'll make sure to share it. And then we'll, we'll on Twitter share what our picks are on this. But like, you know, I, this week and next week are kind of like you know trying to figure out what our like what priors we think are real and which ones aren't and UCLA not being good is real and so I'm just gonna bet against them. I, I like this. You spent enough time around me that you just said priors. Like it's like <laughs> it's right. the, the math. The math talks rubbing off. I'm a slow study. I'm a slow study, but I'll get there. Um, okay. Any any last words here, Max, uh, on this game? Uh, I, no, everything I see, yeah, I, I think we covered everything. Okay. All right, cool. Well, stick with us. Um, we're not we're not recording twice this week, although we do have some podcasts coming up. By the way, if you liked uh, the scheme show, let us know. And, and if you didn't like it, let us know. Um, well, we had we had a lot of downloads of that, so I'm I'm just curious to see what the feedback is. Like, we're we're definitely working through what that structure is, but I'm really excited to continue recording uh, with Doug next week. Um, and we're going to bring on some guests to break down. I think Washington actually. I have to take a take a look and see which uh, which teams we're breaking down in terms of scheme now that there's some tape on him. I'm really excited about that because it really does highlight like what teams do and what to look out for if you're betting on them or if you're just watching the game casually. So stick with us. Thanks everybody for coming on. We'll catch everybody next week and hopefully we have a full slate of Pac-12 football.